From the archives of the East Oregonian, we bring you the murder of Sheriff Till Taylor. A hundred years later to the day, we'll take you through the sheriff's story, the events leading up to his murder, and the manhunt that ensued for the men responsible. I'm your host, Alex Castle, and I'm joined by our producer, Ben Lonergan. Two squads of trained officers leave for Squaw Creek after Desperados. The headline of the East Oregonian read on Wednesday, July 28, 1920. We left off on episode three with the five fugitives split up into three separate groups and still making their way through the countryside, trying to duck and dodge the men chasing them. Reports of the break-in and robbery of the Butcher Young family, committed by Neil Hart and Jim Owens the night before, spread back to Pendleton, where the manhunt was still being headquartered in the Umatilla County Courthouse. The theory of where the men were located among newly appointed Sheriff Jinx Taylor and the rest of the hunt's leaders was that they were somewhere in the Squaw Creek area. Early the morning of July 28th, reports of train guards firing at two men, who were believed to be Owens and Hart, came in from the Duncan area, about 11 miles up from Meacham Creek. Reports detailing that the two men tried to board an eastbound freight train at about 4 a.m. that morning, when train guards noticed them, fired and gave chase, but couldn't catch them. Hart and Owens had to find some other way to get onto the other side of the Blue Mountains and away from the posses hunting them. But that report paired well with the report of one man, likely Jack Rathy, robbing a store the night before for food and shoes. Along with that, there are other sightings coming in, at least one or two men at a time slinking through the countryside and helped confirm for the search that the men had likely split up throughout the area. Still, that day the leads were minimal and became clear for authorities that they needed to reorganize the search. More law enforcement from neighboring counties continued to pour into the area to assist with the search, while a detective by the name of Archie Leonard from the Portland area arrived that afternoon. The leaders of the manhunt reorganized and reduced their citizen volunteer force to about 200 men and paired them with 50 law officers as they broke off into new posses of five men each. While the theory was the men were somewhere nearby the Squaw Creek area, belief that they had split up required that they expanded the prospective search area. Discussions had begun the day before for Deputy Jake Marin to take a reconnaissance flyover of the area to try to search for evidence of campgrounds where the men may be hiding out. However, it's unknown if Deputy Marin ever did take that flight. Rumors began to circulate that there may be new developments in the search when two men were reportedly seen being led into the courthouse in handcuffs that afternoon. While Detective Leonard was said to have questioned one of the men who may have had information about the fugitive's whereabouts, authorities were quick to rebuke rumors and confirm that no arrests had been made. However, tensions inside the sheriff's office were said to be high, and journalists were seemingly frustrated by the tight-lipped officials who were reported as noticeably avoiding them in the building. Reading from the July 28, 1920 edition of the East Oregonian, the outcome of developments so far can only be surmised. Every man connected with the search in any way has been instructed to divulge nothing that has developed. Series of inferences behind closed doors in the sheriff's private office and in the grand jury room on the second floor of the courthouse, however, are taken to indicate that the report of nothing new at all is merely a pacifier. The community left to their own suspicions. Reports at the time started rumors that perhaps some of the men, specifically Owens and Hart, were being helped by quote-unquote friends in the area in reference to tribal members out on the Umatilla Indian Reservation. Newspapers at the time had falsely identified Owens and Hart as being part American Indian, and these rumors surmised that this somehow was to their benefit 
while on the run. According to Ernest L. Crockett's book, The Murder of Till Taylor, these suspicions were shared by authorities. As he reported, the two men who were brought in earlier that day for questioning were two others who were part American Indian and had been believed to be furnishing supplies to Owens and Hart in the Cayuse area. In the July 27, 1920 edition of the East Oregonian, it read, In the fact that the men have not been definitely seen and identified lies the belief they are being shielded by friends. Both Owens and Hart are part Indian, and suspicion is pointed to a number of half-breed Indians in the vicinity of Cayuse who are thought to know something about the case. This language and these characterizations of the time are an example of the prejudices that existed within the community. In reality, Owens and Hart were tan in complexion and may have known some tribal languages, but they did not have American Indian heritage. Plus, the tribes were, one, the community Hart and Owens robbed from, and two, they were helping with the search. One of the most recent witness accounts of the fugitives that day was from a member of the tribes out on the reservation. The tribes had kept their expert tracking teams on the front lines of the search. Nonetheless, many were left with questions on July 28, 1920, as two vehicles carrying Sheriff Jinx Taylor and the men leading the manhunt went out at about 2 p.m. that day. On the other end of the hunt, Owens and Hart were well-stocked on food and continued up Meacham Creek, hoping to cross the mountains. Rathy was alone, walking along the Umatilla River, quietly making his way to Gibbon. It was believed by authorities that day that men may have been struggling with hunger and thirst, which was definitely half true for Lewis Anderson and Richard Patterson. The two, charged with passing worthless checks, were struggling and going on their fourth day without any food. While they were trying their hand at being hardened fugitives on the run, they were confronted with a harsh reality that night when they descended into a small settlement near present-day Immigrant Springs Park. There they saw a wanted poster and finally learned that they were wanted for the murder of Sheriff Till Taylor, not just for escaping from jail and injuring him as they first were led to believe. They read the poster that night, which described in detail their appearances and the clothes that they were still wearing. And that is where we will leave episode four. On our next episode, we go to the events of July 29th, 1920, as the authorities and local community grow discouraged by the lack of progress until new clues reignited the hunt with more vigor than before.